Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Romans chapter 12, because, in the first two verses, because you have given the totality of your body and your life as a living, holy, and acceptable act of worship to God, and because, verse two, because you have allowed God to transform your thinking, then we have the presence of the Holy Spirit inside of us, compels us to, what we looked at last, last week was verse 14, to bless those who persecute you, Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Our text today is a continuation of this very practical theology of getting along. (laughs) See, I thought that was funnier in my head. You guys just looked at me like, hmm. Getting along, really? A practical, theological concept of getting along. Really? Do we have to do theology about getting along? Yes. Why? Because why, why would God care? Track with me for a second. Why would God care if I get along with other people? I feel some of you saying, oh, this, this sermon's not for me. It's probably for you. Most likely it's for you. It's for all of us. Why would God care if I get along with people? If you have children, I'm sure that you attempt to get your children to get along with one another, right? I'll tell you why it's important. Why? I'll tell you why God cares if you get along. Your ability, listen carefully. I'm getting to my text here in a second. Your ability to get along with others is indicative. I see some of you tucking your feet underneath your chair. Your ability to get along with others is indicative of your willingness to sacrifice the totality of your body and life for the glory of God. You okay? Well, Brent, I just don't like people. It's a problem. It's not a funny problem. It's a serious problem. God loves people. And if God is in you, guess what? Well, I'm an introvert. God's not. I'm going to read it again just because I like it. Your ability to get along with others is indicative of your willingness to sacrifice the totality of your body and life for the glory of God. We like the idea of giving ourselves to noticeable things or like ministry type things, right? I'm really going to serve Jesus. I'm going to sacrifice my, my uh, one hour and a half or whatever it is on Sunday morning. I'm going to teach a Sunday school class. I'm really suffering for Jesus. <laughs> We like the idea of giving ourselves to a a ministry, but getting along with others is the sacrifice that God is expecting first. If you can't get along with others, you're not going to do ministry. I promise you. You got to get along with people. So here we go. You okay? Are we all equally offended? 
I try to not offend just one or two people. I try to get everybody. All right, here we go. Number one, be considerate. I didn't put it in the title because it's just too many words, but it's specifically be considerate of others' emotions, okay? Romans chapter five, chapter 12, verse 15. Romans chapter 12, 15. So we're just going to the next verse. He says, I wanna say, don't worry. Be happy with those who are happy. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Man, how simple is that, right? We could just dismiss and go ahead and do some water baptisms, but why do that? Let's, let's have some fun. Let's begin from selfish self-centeredness. You know, those people that are not sacrificing themselves. Let's talk about them. Everyone who's not here this morning. You unconditionally, speaking generally and selfishly, you, uncon you unconsciously want others to match your emotional state. I actually do this in sales. Whenever I took a marketing class, uh, we were talking about how to connect with people. And part of what, it, of what salesmen do, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret here, is they evaluate if you're a high energy person or a low energy person, if you're happy today or if you're sad today, and then they match your emotion because we feel a connection whenever others match our emotion. You don't realize it, but you do. You do, you feel this connection. So... We unconsciously want others to match where we're at emotionally. If you are happy, you don't want sad people killing your joy, right? Everybody says, amen, preach it, Brad. Those sad people, we don't like them coming to church because we have joy. <laughs> if you're sad, on the other hand, happy people are the most annoying ever, right? I mean, I've been there. We feel connected to people who mirror our emotional state. Selfishness says, listen carefully to what I'm saying. Selfishness says, you mirror me. Self-centeredness demands you match my emotion. I have a big emotion and you have to match who I am. It's kind of how we, our, our self-centeredness thinks. Self-sacrifice, Romans 12, 1, says, if you are happy, I'll be happy about whatever it is you're happy about. I'll be happy with you. If you are sad, then I'll be sad about whatever it is you're sad about. Well, what about how I feel, Brent? What about, here, here's modern thinking, what about my real feelings? What about who I truly am? <laughs> I have an idea. Be transformed in your thinking. Stop thinking about yourself. Be transformed in your thinking and consider other people's feelings. Feel what they feel. But that means you have to take the time to visit with them and listen to them and find out why they're happy or why they're sad. That means you have to stop thinking about your own selfish interests. When people are celebrating, don't be the one that points out the only possible negative thing. Here's the application part. I know I'm moving kind of fast. When people are celebrating and they're all happy, don't be the one who points out the only possible negative thing. A friend gets a new car and you respond with, 
Oh, you're going to hate those payments. You know, they're all proud. Look, it's all shiny. It's so fun to get a new car. It's fun to get a new car. Don't look at me like I'm a heathen. Like, Brent thinks it's good to get a car. Yes, I do. It's fun. You're going to hate those payments. How are you going to afford to put gas? Have you seen the price of gas today? It went up another three cents. You can't, you, can't put a, you can't put gas in that thing. That's terrible. And that color, it's going to show dirt really bad. This is not the person that you want to be around, right? If I'm happy, if I'm celebrating, I want to be around people who are celebrating. So if other people are celebrating, guess what I need to do? <clears throat> Celebrate with them, you know? Yay, you got a Ford. Uh, I'm really just kidding. I don't care what you drive. The important thing is that it's not, it's not about what you think or how you feel. This is about being considerate of how, uh, how the other person is feeling. See, there's this incredible community, this incredible environment, when everybody is concerned about somebody else, we all get taken care of. If we all come together in community and we're concerned about me being taken care of and each individual is concerned about themselves, then no one gets taken care of. Do you see how that doesn't work? I like the way you're looking at me like, really? Yeah, we all come together and, and are concerned for others and everybody gets taken care of. You know what I mean. They are happy, be happy with them. If they are happy, be happy with them. Men, when your wife is all happy about her new dress or a new outfit or new shoes or another new purse, just be happy with her. Just be happy with her. Trust me, you will save a lot of money by just being happy with what she's already bought. Women, oh, you thought you was going to get out of this, huh? When your husband comes home with a tool that you couldn't care less about, but he's ecstatic about it, like, hey, sweetheart, I just got me a cordless 40-volt oscillating saw. Oh, it's awesome. Don't roll your eyes at your husband. Be happy with him. Sweetheart, that's wonderful. I remember when my kids were little, they would do things that they were all happy about. So here it is. Church, when your kids find a roly-poly and they bring it to you, be happy with them. It's very simple. When others are blessed, <clears throat> we have a hard time with this, actually. When others are blessed, be happy with them. We get to share in the joy of other people's blessings instead of being envious. Do you see how that works? That's incredible, isn't it? That's wonderful. When they're blessed, man, I'm just so happy that you're blessed. Likewise, be sad with those who are sad. Every once in a while, there's a little bit of a movement in church. like, oh no, we just only have joy. We never are sad. Oh, baloney. Be sad with those who are sad. There are a few things more annoying than the person who tries to cheer you up when you're sad, right? It's like, 
<laughs> it's almost like we, we don't want that other person to be sad. Please don't be sad because then you're pulling down my joy, man. Just don't be sad. Just don't be sad. And then we proceed to make that other person feel bad about being sad. So, so we're kind of selfish that way, right? I don't want you to be sad, so my job now is to make you happy like I'm happy because I want you to mirror my emotions instead of me mirror your sad emotions because I don't want to be a downer like you. Are you following? Be sad with those who are sad. If they're sad, find out why they're sad and be sad with them. It never fails. I know some of you, some of you just dug in. I could feel it. You're like, I know my word. I know the word of God. Here it is. Never fails. That precious church member comes to encourage you. I grew up in church. I've heard this multiple times. Some of you are going to be like, oh man, I've heard that too. I've said that to people. Don't say it anymore. It never fails. That precious church person comes along to encourage you when your life has just fallen apart. They say things like, because we quote scripture to people, right? Because it's the power of God. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. So what are you saying to me? You're saying that this happened to me, this bad thing happened to me because I don't love God? No, 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 no. I just mean that the Bible tells us that in all things we should give thanks, right? Right, yeah. I should, I should just be thanking God that my child was just diagnosed with a terminal illness? Well, just, just think, I know, I know, here it is. Think on whatever things are true and honorable and right and pure. That's a good verse. So I should just not think about the fact that I lost my job. Some of you just got your brain scrambled. <laughs> You're like, wait a second, are we, what? No, dude, just be sad with them. That's all. Just be sad with them. Sit quietly with them. Close your mouth. Open your heart. You see how that works? With opening your heart comes opening your ears, by the way. Because you listen to them. Listen to them talk about why they're sad and what's going on. Be considerate of other people's feelings. Let them feel their feelings. They are not bad. They are just not your feelings. Do you follow? Just because somebody's not in the same place emotionally as you are doesn't mean that, that they're in the wrong place or that their feelings are wrong. When people are going through a major emotional crisis is not the time to give a spiritual lecture. That's kind of our default, right? Because I think that this is why we do it. Because we don't know what else to say. Uh, my, my brother-in-law's mom passed away this last week, and so I called him. And the minute the phone rang, it occurred to me, I have no idea what to say. All things work together for the good of those of the Lord, those that love the Lord, David. <laughs> yeah, sure does, Brent. Shut up. We don't know what to say, so as believers, we quote scripture, and we just need to be, be quiet, listen. Don't tell your story. Don't tell your sad story. Just listen to them tell their sad story. It is a time for people to know that you care enough about them to go through the crisis with them. Well, Brent, I have my own crisis, and there's the problem. We're only thinking about our own crisis. Be concerned about someone else's crisis. Go through it with them. Go through it with them so that they know that you are willing to give up however it is you feel to feel whatever it is they feel with them. Don't try to fix them. 
There's nothing wrong with being happy or being sad. Be considerate of other people's feelings. Very simple, right? Hard to do, but it's very simple. We're concerned about their feelings more than mine. Number two, live in harmony. I really like this one. Live in harmony. Verse 16 says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to, (coughs) pardon me, enjoy the company of ordinary people. Not just be in company of ordinary people, but enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. It's a very practical verse, right? No amens, no looking around, eyes forward. Don't, harmony. Harmony does not mean be the same, right? Harmony's not the same. In music, harmony is a different note altogether from the melody. So in music, harmony is a different note altogether that complements the other notes being played. That's why I like the word harmony here. Live in harmony with one another. You're not gonna live the same as everybody else. Oh, Lord, help us. That would be terrible. To live in harmony is to behave in a way that complements the lives of others and together you are all better, even glorious. Isn't that cool? Harmony. We we don't, we're not the same, but we all live together doing our thing, making each other look good, sound good, be good, and it is glorious. God did that. Paul gives us two examples here. He says, I think it's examples, it's a subset of living in harmony. He says, don't be proud, don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Harmony, watch this, is when a mature believer and a new believer go to life group together on Wednesday night. Mm, hallelujah. Life group, that's where we have service on Wednesday night at 6.30. We get together and share soap. Some of you didn't know that. We do that. And we have classes. They're good. Harmony is when the mature believer and the new believer go to life group together, both share their soap, and both learn more about Jesus and God's grace. That's harmony. Do you understand? Over the years, there have been people who have told me that uh, they've read the Bible through several times and now they kind of, they know it really well, so they don't need to be in a Bible study or a life group. I'm going to just look at my notes so that I'm not calling anybody out. (laughs) I heard somebody say once, uh, I've studied this for a long time, so I know. Yeah, I've studied it for a longer time and I know I don't know. If you've studied the Bible so much that you have it all figured out, then evidently that person has not considered that if they know the scriptures that well, which obviously they don't, that their presence in a Bible study would benefit other people. And that is a self-sacrificing reason to be there. (laughs) I like the way you're looking at me. Like, did he just call us out for not coming on Wednesday night? Yeah, I did. (laughs) Hello, you're so spiritual, you don't need to invest in other people. You missed it, dude. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. You missed it. 
If you've read the Bible, then you know that first of all, you don't know it all. Number two, if you do know something, you need to be with somebody else to share it because they don't know it all. Now, because I'm speaking of these people that, that have read their Bible through twice and now are smarter than me, uh, because I'm very pastoral, you know, you know my heart, I never encourage these people to come to a Bible study or a life group. I don't, I don't, I don't really want them to come because it's likely they're going to ruin it by being a know-it-all, right? Yeah. Without humility, harmony is very difficult. I wrote that, and then we're back to this musical term of harmony, which I think is wonderful. How many of you have any sort of musical background? How many of you can tell time, and I need to hurry up? Yeah, if you played in band or, or you sang in a, in, or were on the praise team. So I think of this in, the, in terms of singers, but it actually works with all musicians, is that whenever you're playing harmony, you have to be listening to the others to know what they're doing. Singing the harmony that fits with the group. You have to always be paying attention to what everybody else is doing. Otherwise, you're just singing a solo with a bunch of other people. So my experience with music is soloists are very seldom good at harmony. That's good. That's good. They don't listen to the group. They don't listen to the group. <clears throat> Thomas and I have had this conversation several times <clears throat> where we have people that are really fantastic vocalists. Pardon me. I haven't had enough coffee this morning. <clears throat> Y'all have me all choked up. We have uh, vocalists who have, who have fantastic voices, but then you put them in a group and they stick out like a sore thumb. I'm not talking about any of our singers. Our singers are all perfect and wonderful and beautiful, and they sing wonderful. But harmony requires the humility to listen to other people. I, I, I don't have time for stories. Listen, church, <clears throat> you can live solo without others, no harmony, or you can live every moment Knowing that you only have one life, you only have one body to love others with and to sacrifice for the glory of God. Are you with me? You only have one life to share the love of Christ with your kids, your spouse, your friends, your family, your church, your community. You only have one. And then it's gone. It's over with. And because each of us is sacrificially giving ourselves to God, allowing him to transform our thinking. Number one, we consider others' feelings over our own. We laugh with those who laugh and we cry with those who cry. Number two, we humbly live in harmony with others instead of striking out on our own so that we can better get whatever it is we want, right? Because if we go solo, right, we can go faster and further. No, you can't, you won't. Getting along with people is, broad stroke, getting along with people is a function of our self-sacrifice. Getting along with people requires a change in our thinking. Getting along with others glorifies God. That's the bottom line. When we get along with others, when we give ourselves so that we all get along, God is glorified. Being considerate of others' feelings and living in harmony with others is a demonstration of Christ-like character. Oh, this is good. Water baptism is also an outward demonstration of the work of Christ in us. See how I did that? It's like, I went to Bible school to learn how to do that. 
make a segue where there really no, there wasn't necessarily one. Colossians chapter two, verse nine. I'm gonna talk about uh, water baptism very briefly and then I'm gonna dismiss those that are gonna be baptized. We're gonna go change clothes. Thomas is gonna sing again. And if there's not a rapture, we're gonna come back and finish baptism, okay? If there's a rapture, hey, see ya. If, if there is a rapture, we will not be having a water baptism, by the way. <clears throat> uh, I was going to pick on somebody, but I can't decide who to pick on. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, it says, oh, it's such a fantastic scripture. We may be, we, if, if we go right now, hallelujah. Verse 9, for in Christ lives, how much? All the fullness of what? Of God in a human body. <clears throat> In Christ lives all the fullness of God in the human body. So, verse 10, you also are perfectly complete. How? Through your union with Christ. Now, this union is ambiguous right here. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. Got it? Verse 11. When you came to Christ, past tense, when you came to Christ, you were circumcised, in quotes, but not by a physical procedure, right? Circumcision in the Old Testament was a physical procedure. This time it's not physical. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. It's a symbolic circumcision. It's not a physical circumcision. It's a symbolic circumcision. That gets us to verse 12, and this is where the magic happens. He says, for you were what? <clears throat> Buried with Christ, who has the fullness of God in his body. All right? You were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Symbolic. When you were baptized, when you were immersed in Christ Jesus. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. Isn't that wonderful? Water baptism is a, is a symbol of us being buried with Christ and being raised with Christ. Hallelujah. Water baptism is the symbol of when Jesus immerses those who trust in him. It's not just on the outside. It's on the outside and on the inside. It's at the molecular level, okay? I like teaching about this. I'm not going to take time, but it basically is God pickles us in the fullness of God. Well, that was good preaching, Brent. Yeah, it was. Elbow your neighbor. You should be listening to this. This is good. This morning, water baptism is simply an outward public celebration of Jesus' baptism, the fullness of God dwelling in every aspect, every fiber of those who put their trust in him. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at desertheightschurch.com.